Section 2 of The Worshipper of the Image. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Holly McGuire. The Worshipper of the Image by Richard Lagallienne. Chapters 8 through 13. Chapter 8 A Strange Kiss for Silajo. One hot August afternoon, Antony took Silajo with him to a bramble covered corner of the dark moor which bounded his little wood. A ruined bank soaked with sunshine, a haunt of lizards, a catacomb of little lives that creep and run and whisper made their seat. Silajo's face, out there under the open sky and in the full blaze of the sun at once lost and gained in reality gained by force of a contrast which accentuated while it limited her lost by opposition to the great faces of earth and sky her life so concentrated so self-absorbed seemed more of an essence potentially distilled compared with this abounding ichor of existence that audibly sang in brimming circulation through the veins of this careless immortal earth for some moments of self-conscious thought she shrank into a symbol a symbol but of one of the elements of the mighty world yet to this element did not all the others more brutal in force more extended in space conspire so in some hours will the most mortal maid of warmest flesh and blood become an abstraction to her lover sometimes shrink to the significance of one more flower and sometimes expand to the significance of a microcosm a firmament in mystical miniature thus in like manner for antony did Salajo alternate between reality and dream that afternoon though all the time he knew that however now and again the daylight seemed to create an illusion of her remoteness she was still his and he of all men her chosen lover suddenly as they sat there together silent and immovable antony caught the peer of two bright little eyes fixed on the white face of Silajo, a tiny wedged-shaped head with dashes of white across the brows reared itself out of a crevice in the bank a forked tongue came and went like black lightning through its eager little lips and a handsomely marked adder began to glide like molten metal along the bank to Salajo. the brilliant whiteness of the image had fascinated the little creature antony kept very still darting its head from side to side venomously alert against the smallest sound the adder reached Silajo. then to antony's delight it coiled itself round the white throat still restlessly moving its head wonderingly beneath the chin with a grace to which all movement from the beginning of time seemed to have led up it clasped Salajo's neck and softly reared its lips to hers its black tongue darted to and fro along that strange smile he has kissed her antony exclaimed and in an instant the adder was nothing more than a terrified rustle in the brushwood he took Salajo into his hands. There was poison on her lips. 
for another moment his fancy made himself conscious and turned Salajo again into a symbol though it was but for a moment there is always poison on the lips of art he said to himself end of chapter eight chapter nine the wonderful week as antony and Salajo became more and more to each other poor beatrice though she had been the first occasion of their love and little as she now demanded seldom as antony spoke to her seldom as he smiled upon her distant as were the lonely walks she took infrequent as was her sad footfall in the little wood poor beatrice though indeed so far from active intrusion upon their loves and as if only by her breathing with them the heavy air of that green unwholesome valley was becoming an irksome presence of the imagination they longed to be somewhere together where beatrice had never been where her sad face could not follow them and one night Silajo whispered to antony take me to the sea antony to some lonely sea tomorrow i will take you said antony where the loneliest land meets the loneliest sea on the morrow evening the high muses had once more made antony late for dinner one hour and two hours went by and then beatrice in alarm took the lantern and courageously braved the blackness of the wood the chalet was in darkness and the door was locked but through the uncurtained glass of the window she was able to irradiate the emptiness of its interior antony was not there but she noticed with a shudder that the space usually filled by the image was vacant then she understood and with a hopeless sigh went down the wood again already antony and Salajo had found the place where the loneliest land meets the loneliest sea side by side they were sitting on a moonlit margin of the world and antony was singing low to the murmur of the waves hopeless of hope past desire even of thee there is one place i long for a desolate place that i sing all my songs for a desolate place for a desolate face where the loneliest land meets the loneliest sea green waves and green grasses and naught else is nigh but a shadow that beckons a desolate face and a shadow that beckoned the desolate face to the desolate place where the loneliest sea meets the loneliest sky wide sea and wide heaven and all else afar but a spirit is singing a desolate soul that is joyfully winging a desolate soul to that desolate goal where the loneliest wave meets the loneliest star it is not good said Salajo. i know answered antony throw it into this sea it is not worthy of the sea burn it fire is too august 
Throw it into the winds. They are too busy. Bury it. It would make barren a whole meadow. Forget it. I will. And you? I will. And Antony and Salajo lapped softly together by the sea. Many days Antony and Salajo stayed together by the sea. They loved it together in all its changes, in sun and rain, in wind wild and dreamy calm, at morning when it shone like a spirit, at evening when it flickered like a ghost, at noon when it lay asleep curled up like a woman in the arms of the land. Sometimes at the evening they sat in the little fishing harbor, watching the incoming boats, till the sky grew sad with rigging and old men's faces. Then at last Silajo said, I am weary of the sea. Let us go to the town, to the lights and the sad cries of the human waves. So they went to the town and found a room high up, where they sat at the window and watched the human lights and listened to the human music. Never had it been so wonderful to be together. For a week, Antony lived in heaven. Never had Silajo been so kind, so close to him. Let us be little children, he said. Let us do anything that comes into our heads. So they ran in and out among pleasures together, joined strange dances and sang strange songs. They clapped their hands to jugglers and acrobats and animals tortured into talent. And sometimes, as the gaudy theater resounded about them, they looked so still at each other that all the rest faded away, and they were left alone with each other's eyes and great thoughts of God. I love you, Silajo. I love you, Antony. You will never leave me lonely in my dream, Silajo? Never, Antony. Oh, how tender sometimes was Silajo. Several nights they had the whim that Salajo should masquerade in the wardrobe of her past. Tonight you shall go close as when you loved that woman in Mytilene, Antony would say. Or, tonight you shall be a little shepherd boy with a leopard skin across your shoulder and mountain berries in your hair. Or again, tonight you shall be Barrow. Mourning for his columbine. Ah, how divine was Salajo in all her disguises. A divine child. Oh, how tender those nights was Salajo. Antony sat and watched her face in awe and wonder. Surely it was the noblest face that had ever been seen in the world. Is it true that that noble face is mine? he would ask. I cannot believe it. Kiss it, said Salajo gaily, and see. Then, on a sudden, what was this change in Salajo? 
so cold, so silent, so cruel had she grown. Silajo, Antony called to her. Silajo, he pleaded. But she never spoke. Oh, Silajo, speak. I cannot bear it. Then her lips moved. Shall I speak? She said with a cruel smile. Yes, he besought her again. I shall love you no more in this world. The lights are gone out. The magic faded. Silajo! But she spoke no more. And with those lonely words in his ears, Antony came out of his dream and heard the rain falling miserably through the wood. End of chapter 9 Chapter 10 Silajo Whispers So Antony first knew how cruel could be Silajo to those who loved her. Her sudden silences he had grown to understand, even to love. Always they had been broken again by some wonderful word, which he had known would come sooner or later. All great natures are full of silence. Silence is the soil of all passion. But now it was not silence that was between them, but terrible speech. As with a knife, she had stabbed their love right in its heart, Yet Antony knew that his love could never die, but only suffer. During these days, he half turned to Beatrice. How kind was her simple, earth-warm affection, after the cold star transcendentalism in which he had been living. How full of comfort was her unselfish humanity, after the pitiless egoism of the divine. And yet, while it momentarily soothed him, he realized, with a heart sad for Beatrice as for himself, that it could never satisfy him again. For days he left Silajo alone in the wood, and Beatrice's face brightened with their renewed companionship. But all the time he seemed to hear Silajo calling him, and he knew that he would have to go back. One night, almost happy again as he lay by the side of beatrice who was sleeping deeply he rose stealthily and looked out into the wood the moonlight fell through it mysteriously as on that night when he had stolen up there to meet silajo at the rising of the moon he could hesitate no longer leaving beatrice asleep he was soon making his way once more through the moonlit trees the little chalet looked very still and solemn, like a temple of the Chaldeun mysteries, and an unwanton chill of fear passed through Antony as he stood in the circle of moonlight outside. His spirit seemed aware of some dread menace to the future in that moment, and a voice was crying within him to go back. But the longing that had brought him so far was too strong for such undefined warnings. Once more he turned the key in the lock and looked on Silajo once more. The moonlight fell over her face like a veil of silver, and on her eyelashes was a glitter of tears. Her face was alive again, alive too with the softness of womanhood he had never seen before. Forgive me, Antony, she said. I loved you all the time. 
What else need Silajo say? But it was so strange, said Antony after a while. So strange. I could have borne the pain. If only I could have understood. Shall I tell you the reason, Antony? Yes. It was because I saw in your eyes a thought of Beatrice. For a moment your thoughts had forsaken me and gone to pity Beatrice. I saw it in your eyes. Poor Beatrice, said Antony. It is little indeed I give her. Could you not spare her so little, Silajo? I can spare her nothing. You must be all mine, Antony. Your every thought and hope and dream. So long as there is another woman in the world for you except me, I cannot be yours in the depths of my being nor you mine there must always be something withheld it will never be perfect until until when until antony and Silajo lowered her voice to an awful whisper until you have made for me the human sacrifice the human sacrifice yes antony all my lovers have done that for me they were really not mine till then some have brought me many such offerings antony when will you bring me the human sacrifice oh silajo antony's heart chilled with terror at silajo's words it was against this that the voices had warned him as he came up the wood oh that he had never seen Silajo more never heard her poisonous voice again as one fleeing before the shadow of uncommitted sin that gains upon him at each stride antony fled from the place and sought the moors the moon was near its setting and soon the dawn would throw open the eastern doors of the sky he walked on and on waiting praying for stifling for the light and at last with the freshening of the air and faint sounds of returning consciousness from distant farms it came high over a lake of ethereal silver welling up out of space hung the morning star shining as though its heart would break bright as a tear that must slip down the face of heaven and fall amid the grass as antony looked up at it his soul escaped from its prison of dark thought and such an exaltation had come with the quickening light that it seemed as though the body with little more than pure aspiration to wing it might follow the soul's flight to that crystal sphere in that moment antony knew that the love in the soul of man is mated only with the infinite universe in no marriage less than that shall it find lasting fulfillment of itself no single face however beautiful no single human soul however vast can absorb it Silajo, Beatrice, Wonder, himself all faded away in a trance-like sense of a stupendous passion, an august possession, 
He felt that within him, which rose up gigantic from the earth and towered into Aries of space, from whence that morning star seemed like a dewdrop glittering low down upon the earth. It was the God in him that knew itself for one brief space, a moment's awakening in the sleep of fact. Could a God so great, so awakened, be again the slave of one earthly face? Yes, the greater the God, the greater the slave. And so it was that falling plumb down from that sky e exaltation, human again with the weakness that follows divine moments, Antony returned from the morning star to Selajo. Her face was bathed in the delicate early sunlight and looked very pure and gentle, and he kissed her. Surely those terrible words had been an illusion of the dark hours. Selajo had never said them. He kissed her again. I love you, Silajo, he said, and then she spoke. If you love me, Antony, she said. If you love me. Oh, what, Silajo, he cried, his heart growing cold once more. Come nearer, Antony. Put your ear to my lips, Antony. If you love me, see human sacrifice oh god he cried here in the sunlight it is true and a man with the doom of his nature heavy upon him he once more went out into the wood end of chapter ten chapter eleven wonder in the wood a few days after this, Little Wonder, playing about the garden, had slipped away from her nurse, and pleased in her little soul at her cleverness, had found her way up to her father's chalet. Antony was sitting at his desk, writing, with his door open. Daddy, suddenly came a little voice from the bottom of the staircase. Daddy, where are you? Antony rose and went to the door. Come in, Little Wonder well it is a clever girl to come all the way up the wood by herself yes daddy said the self-possessed little girl as she toddled into the chalet and looked around wonderingly at the books and the pictures then presently daddy what do you do all day in the wood i make beautiful things show me some antony showed her a page of his beautiful manuscript why those are only words silly daddy but words little wonder are the most beautiful things in the world listen and he took the child on his knee listen in xanadu did kubla khan a stately pleasure dome decree where alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea the child had inherited the love of beautiful sound and though she understood nothing of the meaning the music charmed her and she nestled close to her father with wide eyes say some more daddy the sobbing cadences of the greatest of irish songs came to antony's mind and he crooned a verse or two at random all day long in unrest to and fro i do move 
the very soul within my breath is wasted for you love the heart in my bosom faints to think of you my queen my life of life a saint of saints my dark rosaline my own rosaline to hear your sweet and sad complaints my life my love my saint of saints my dark rosaline over dews over sands i will fly for your wheel your holy delicate white hands shall girdle me with steel at home in your emerald bowers from morning's dawn till end you'll pray for me my flower of flowers my dark rosaline my fond rosaline you'll think of me through daylight hours my virgin flower my flower of flowers my dark rosaline i could scale the blue air i could plough the high hills oh i could kneel all night in prayer to heal your many ills and one beamy smile from you would float like light between my toils and me my own my true my dark rosaline my fond rosaline would give me life and soul anew a second life a soul anew my dark rosaline wonder childlike wearied with the length of the verses and suddenly the white face of Silajo caught her eye who is that lady daddy that is Silajo. what a pretty name is she a kind lady daddy sometimes she is very beautiful she is like little mother but her face is so white she makes me frightened hold me daddy and she crouched in his arms you mustn't be frightened of her wonder she loves little girls see how she is smiling at you she wants to be friends with you she wants you to kiss her little wonder oh no no almost screamed the little girl but suddenly a cruel whim to insist came over the father and half coaxingly and half forcibly he held her up to the image stroking its white cheek to reassure her see how kind she is little wonder see how she smiles how she loves you she loves little girls and she never sees any up here in the lonely wood it will make her so happy kiss her little wonder reluctantly the child obeyed and with a shudder she said oh how cold her lips are daddy but were they not sweet little wonder no daddy they tasted of dust and as antony had lifted her up he had said in his heart silajo i bring you my little child end of chapter eleven chapter twelve autumn in the valley autumn in the valley was autumn melancholy and sinister as you find her only in such low-lying immemorial drifting places of leaves and oozy sinks of dank water for the moors in autumn is the spring come back in purple and in golden woods and many another place where the year dies happily she smiles like a widow so young and fair that one thinks rather of life than death in her presence but in the valley autumn was a fearsome hag a little crazy two double 
gathering sticks in a scarlet cloak when she turned her wicked old eyes upon you the life died within you and wherever you walked she was always somewhere in the bushes muttering evil spells all the year round under the green cloud of summer you might meet autumn creeping somewhere in the valley like foul mists that creep from pool to pool for here all the year was decay to feed upon and dead leaves for her to sleep on always the year round in the valley if you listened close you would hear something sighing something dying to the happiest walking there would come strange sinkings of the heart unaccountable premonitions of overhanging doom there the least superstitious would start at the sight of a toad and come upon three magpies at once not without fear over all was a breath of imminent disaster a look of sorrow from which there was no escape it was not many yards away from a merry high road but once in the shade of its lanes it seemed as though you had been shut away from the world of living men black slopes of pine and melancholy bars of sunset walled you in as in some funeral hall of judgment alas beatrice's was not the happiest of hearts and all day long this autumn as the mornings came later and darker and the evenings earlier always voices in the valley voices of low-hanging mist and dripping rain kept saying death is coming death is coming tapped at the windows ticking and crying in the rooms was the same message till in a terror of the walls she would flee into the wider prison of the woods and oppressed by them in turn would escape with a beating heart into the honest daylight of the high road so one flies from a haunted house or comes out of an evil dream sometimes it seemed as if the white face of Silajo looked out from the woodside and mocked her with the same cry death is coming death is coming Silajo. ah how happy they had been before the coming of Silajo! how frail is our happiness how suddenly it can die one moment it seems built for eternity marble-based and glittering with towers the next where it stood is lonely grass and dew not a stone left ah yes how happy they had been and then antony by a heartless chance had seen Silajo, and in an instant their happiness had been at an end for ever only a glance of the eyes and love is born only a glance of the eyes and alas love must die a glance of the eyes and all the old kindness is gone a glance of the eyes and from the face you love the look you seek has died out for everlasting oh antony antony moaned beatrice as she wandered alone in those dank autumn lanes if you would only come back to me for one short day come back with the old look on your face be to me for a little while as you once were i think i could gladly die die 
A tattered flower caught her glance, shaking chilly in the damp wind, and once more she heard the whisper, Death is coming. Near where she walked stood in the midst of a small meadow overgrown with nettles the blackened ruin of a cottage long since destroyed by fire. On the edge of the little sandy lane, perilously near the feet of the passerby, was a forgotten well. The mouth choked with weeds and briars. In her absorption, Beatrice had almost walked into it. Now she parted the bushes and looked down. A stone fell as she looked, making a sepulchral echo. What a place to hide one's sorrow in. No one would think of looking there. Antony might think she had gone away, or he might drag the three black pawns. But here it was unlikely anyone would come, and in a little while, a very little while, Antony would forget or sometimes make himself happy with his unhappiness. Ah, but wonder. No, if Antony needed her no more, wonder did. She must stay, for wonder's sake. And perhaps, who could say, Antony might yet need her, might come to her and some day say, Beatrice, with the old voice, to be really necessary to Antony again, if only for one little hour. Yes, she could wait and suffer for that. End of chapter 12 Chapter 13 The Human Sacrifice The valley was an ill place, even for the body. A layer of rooms, a geese, and disembodied fevers waited in wells for the sunk pale for the valley was very beautiful beautiful with that green beauty that only comes of damp and decay late one october night antony alone with Silajo, as was now again his custom was surprised to hear footsteps coming hastily up the wood and even more surprised at the sudden unusual appearance of beatrice I am sorry to disturb you, Antony, she said, noting with a pang how the lamp had been arranged to throw a vivid light upon Silajo. But I want you to come down and look at Wonder. I'm afraid she is ill. Wonder ill? exclaimed Antony, rising with a start. I will come at once. And they went together. Wonder was lying in her bed with flushed cheeks and bright yet heavy eyes. Wonder, my little wonder, said Antony caressingly as he bent over her. Does little wonder feel ill? Yes, Daddy. I feel so sick, Daddy. Never mind. She will be better tomorrow. But he had noticed how burning hot were her hands and how dry were her fresh little lips. I must go for the doctor at once, he said to his wife when they were outside the room. The father, so long asleep, had sprung awake at the first hint of danger to the little child that in his neglectful way he loved deeply all the time, and in spite of the danger to wonder, a faint joy stirred in Beatrice's heart to see him thus humanly aroused once more. Kiss me, Beatrice, he said as he set out upon his errand. 
Don't be anxious. It will be all right. It was the first time he had kissed his wife for many days. The doctors were some three miles away across the moor. It was a bright, starlit night, and Antony, who knew the moor well, had no difficulty in making his way at a good pace along the mossy tracks. Presently, he gave a little cry of pain and stood still. Oh, God, he cried. It cannot be that. Oh, it cannot. At that moment, for the first time, a dreadful thought had crossed his mind. Suddenly a memory of that afternoon when he had bade wonder kiss Silajo flashed upon him, and once more he heard himself saying, Silajo, I bring you my little child. But he had never meant it so. It had all been a mad fancy. What was Silajo herself but a willful, selfish dream? He saw it all now. How could a lifeless image have power over the life of his child? And yet again, was Silajo a lifeless image? And still again, if she were an image, was it not always to an image that humanity from the beginning had been sacrificed? Yes. Perhaps if Silajo were only an image, there was all the more reason to fear her. When he returned, he would go to Silajo, go on his knees and beg for the life of his child. Silajo had been cruel, but she could hardly be so cruel as that. He drove back across the moor by the doctor's side. I have always thought you unwise to live in that valley, said the doctor. It's pretty, but like most pretty places, it's unhealthy. Nature can seldom be good and beautiful at the same time. The doctor was somewhat of a philosopher. Your little girl needs the hills. In fact, you all do. Your wife isn't half the woman she was since you took her into the valley. You don't look any better for it either. No, sir, believe me. Beauty's all very well, but it's not good to live with. And by the way, have you had your well looked at lately? That valley is just a beautiful sewer for the drainage of the hills, a very market town for all the germs and bacilli of the district. And the doctor laughed, as, curiously enough, people always do at jest about bacilli. But when he looked at wonder, he took a more serious view of bacilli. You must have your well looked at at once, he said. Your little girl is very ill. She must be kept very quiet and on no account excited. Beatrice and Antony took it in turns to watch by Wonder's bed that night, and once, while Beatrice was watching, Antony found time to steal up the wood with his prayer to Salajo. Never had she looked more mask-like, more lifeless. Silajo, he cried, I wickedly brought you my little child. Oh, give her back to me again. I cannot bear it. I cannot give her to you, Silajo. Take me if you will. I will gladly die for you. But spare her. Oh, give her back to me, Silajo. 
but the image was impassive and made no sign. Silajo, he implored, speak, for I know you hear me. Are you a devil, Silajo? A devil I have worshipped all this time. God help me. Have you no pity? What is her little flower life to you? Why should you snatch it out of the sun? But Silajo made no sign. Then Antony grew angry in his remorse. I hate you, Silajo. Never will I look on your face again. You are an evil dream that has stolen from me the truth of life. I have broken a true heart that loved me, that would have died for me. For your sake, just to watch your loveless beauty, to hear the cold music of your voice. You are like the moon that turns men mad, a hollow shell of silver drawing all your light from the sun of life, a silver shadow of the golden sun. But prayer and reproach were alike in vain. Silajo remained unheeding, and Antony returned to watch by Beatrice's side with a heart that had now no hope and a soul weighed down with the sense of irrevocable sin. There lay the little life he had murdered, delivered up to the malak of art. No sorrow, no agonies were now of any avail forever. Little wonder would surely die, and all the old lost opportunities of loving her could never return. He had loved the shadow. This was a part of the price. Day after day, the cruel fever consumed wonder as a fire consumes a flower. Her tiny face seemed too small for the visitation of such suffering as burned and hammered behind the high white brow and yellowed and drew tight the skin upon the cheeks. She had so recently known the strange pain of being born. Already, for so little of life, she was to endure the pain of death. Day after day, hour after hour, Antony hung over her bed with a devotion and an unconsciousness of fatigue that made Beatrice look at him with astonishment, and sometimes even for a moment forgot wonder in the joy with which she saw him transfigured by simple human love. Now, when it was too late, he had become a father indeed and it brought some ease to his fiercely tortured heart to notice that it was his ministrations that the dying child seemed to welcome most. For the most part, she lay in a semi-conscious state, heeding nothing and only moaning now and again, a sad little moan, like an injured bird. She seemed to say she was so little a thing to suffer so. Once, however, when Antony had just placed some fresh ice around her head, she opened her eyes and said, Dear little daddy, and the light on Antony's face, poor victim of perverse instincts that too often drew his really fine nature awry, was sanctifying to see. As terrible was the look of torture that came over his face, one night near the end, 
when wonder in a sudden nightmare of delirium had seized his hand and cried oh daddy the white lady see her there at the end of the bed she is smiling daddy then lower you will not make me kiss her any more will you daddy beatrice had gone to snatch an hour or two's sleep so she never heard this and it was no mere cowardly consolation for antony to think afterwards that no one but he and his little child had known of that fatal afternoon in the wood the dead understand all yes even the dead we have murdered but the living can never be told a secret such as that which antony and his little daughter whose soul was really grown up though she spoke still in baby language shared immortally between them when beatrice returned to the room wonder was sleeping peacefully again but at the chill hour when watchers blow out the night lights and a dreary grayness comes like a fog through the curtains antony and beatrice fell into each other's arms in anguish for wonder was dead end of chapter 13 end of section 2